0: A long time ago, in a galaxy far,
1: far away.
0: Girl, everyone knows that story. Hello, and welcome to the Women of Star Wars podcast, the Star Wars fan cast that is dedicated to discussing the female characters and creators in and around the Star Wars universe. I am your host... Sarah Sindula. Join me on today's episode as I take a less than superficial dive into the character of Ahsoka Tano, answering the question, who in the force is Ahsoka Tano? Hello and welcome to the Women of Star Wars podcast. I am your host, Sarah Sindula, and thank you for joining me today on the inaugural episode of this podcast. I'm very excited to have you here. This, now, maybe you don't really know who Ahsoka Tano is. Maybe you've been a diehard fan since the Clone Wars TV show that aired like all those years ago. Maybe you met her for the first time in The Mandalorian and want to know more about her. So um, outside of those characters who are introduced in live action films like Luke, Leia, Han, and Chewbacca, it's arguable that no other Star Wars character is more well-loved than Ahsoka Tano. And if you're just coming to the Ahsoka party, welcome! We're glad you're here. So learning about a new Star Wars character can be very overwhelming and a little intimidating. There's just so much information out there. And my hope is that this podcast episode will introduce you to the character and get you excited to learn more about her and explore the Star Wars universe. So Disney has an incredible amount of source material when it comes to Ahsoka. There are over 125 hours of Ahsoka-related viewing available on Disney+, Plus. which if you have time and are willing to watch it all, I say go for it. Um, and hopefully you won't be burnt out on Star Wars by the time the live-action Ahsoka arrives to be able to enjoy it. But because most people don't have 125 spare hours to binge a show or several shows, So Disney did what it always does when there's a large body of source material. They created um, an essential episodes playlist. Now for Ahsoka, that's still 29 episodes. 29. 26 of those episodes are the standard runtime of about 23 to 25 minutes each, with three episodes in that playlist that are 10 to 16 minutes long. 16. Um... So while, like, less than 125 hours, that's still a lot of viewing. So in this episode, you'll learn a little bit about the history of Ahsoka and the Jedi, um, and you'll get turned on to some of my favorite story arcs involving Ahsoka, some of which overlap with the Disney list. And I think I give really good insight into her character and development before we meet up with her in her series. So Ahsoka Tano was created by George Lucas for the animated TV series Star Wars The Clone Wars, which aired for six seasons between 2008 and 2017 on Cartoon Network and Netflix, with the f- final seventh season available for streaming on Disney Plus in 2020. I was a little too old for The Clone Wars when it first aired, so I admittedly was late to the party on this one. Um, the series introduced a whole slew of new characters in the Star Wars universe and deepened the story of some of our other more familiar characters like Obi Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker, who Spoiler alert, later became Darth Vader. So uh, the character Ahsoka has been around for about 15 years. And during that time, she's been featured in most of the Clone Wars TV show run, as well as the 2014 series Star Wars Rebels. In 2016, E.K. Johnson, who's a fabulous author, released Ahsoka, which is a young adult novel, And then we see her again in the 2017 The Forces of Destiny web series, which also became a comic. Um, And you can check those episodes out on Disney Plus as well. And in Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, one of the theatrical releases um, involving Rey. The voice of Ahsoka, which was provided by voice actress Ashley Eckstein, um, who also gave her voice to Ahsoka in the animated series, She calls out to Rey during the climactic battle at the end of the film. And more recently, Ahsoka, portrayed by the talented Rosario Dawson in the live action series, has appeared in both The Mandalorian and The Book of Boba Fett. Rosario will also be playing Ahsoka in the live action series by the same name. So Ahsoka is is a Togruta female who was born on the planet of Shili. I think I'm saying that right, Togruta. Uh, the Togruta species are known for their pattern red and white skin. Now, Wookiepedia says it's red and white, but on Ahsoka, I think it looks more like an orange terracotta rather than a red. Uh, the Togruta's unique skin patterns helps them blending into the grasslands on the planet of Sheely while hunting. The Togruta also have these head, tailors, head tails similar to Twi'leks. If you're interested in what that looks like, go ahead and just Google Hera Syndulla for a visual reference but not if you're driving. So different from Twi'leks, Torgruda also have these things called montrals, which are these hollow horns that grow up from their head. These horns become pronounced in adolescence and continue to grow well into adulthood. Montrals are these hollow like cone like structures and similar to how echolocation works for bats. um, The structure of montrals allows for enhanced sensory input of their environment, which makes the Togruta's skilled hunters. You actually see this in one of the episodes that I do talk about. And there are some that believe that the Montrels make T- Togruta's more likely to be force sensitive, which is a theory that is supported by the fact that at the time Ahsoka appears in the Clone Wars, there were two other Togruta's at the Jedi Temple. I'm going to name drop. We got Shakti, who was a member of the Jedi High Council, and Ashla, who was a youngling. So if you've never heard of Star Wars before, or you're listening to this podcast with someone who's like super into Star Wars and you're like, I kind of know a little bit about it. I know the Jedis are good guys, I think. I'm going to tell you a little bit about the Jedi. So a Jedi is a sentient being who wields something called the Force. And they wield the Force in their ongoing pursuit to keep peace in the galaxy. So over at StarWars.com, they define the Force as a mysterious energy field created by life that binds the galaxy together. Harnessing the power of the Force gives the Jedi, the good guys, and the Sith, the bad guys, and others sensitive to the spiritual energy, it gives them extraordinary abilities, such as levitating objects, tricking minds, and seeing things before they happen. Even if you're not a Star Wars fan, if you consume pop culture, you may have come across the Force by way of references to Darth Vader's famous Force Choke, where he can strangle a person from across the room using the Force just by holding up his hand like he's crushing a beer can, but really he's crushing your larynx. Yeah, that's the Force Choke. The estimated 2023 global population is about, it's approximately 8 billion people. So 0.000000000000001% of 8 billion is about 85 people. So imagine a group of 85 people who help keep the entire world a safe place. And that is the scope of the Jedi's presence at the rise of the Empire. Okay, we're still in the Jedi. Don't worry, we're going to get back to us. Most Jedi came to the temple on Coruscant as infant or toddlers. How you ask? Well, they would be identified as force sensitive at a young age, and then the Jedi, who kept meticulous records, encoded this information on these cool things called holocrons. And inside these holocrons, they kept all kinds of information, including information about potential force sensitive children from across the galaxy. It's kind of like a database for younglings, so that when this force sensitive child was an appropriate age, usually about three, a Jedi master would travel to the child's home planet for an observation to determine if the child would be trained as a Jedi or not. Because not all children who are Force-sensitive were sent to the temple to become Jedi. And in some races, like the Chiss, for example, Force-sensitivity fades with age. Now that we know kind of what a Jedi is and why it matters to the story, we're going to go back to the subject of the podcast. Ahsoka... I'm going to go through her life in chronological order, not in release order of the episodes that I'm citing. And I'll be discussing key episodes and arcs uh, in the tales of the Jedi, the clone wars and star Wars rebels. All right. Plagiarism is not the way. And I will always cite the sources in my research. That being said, I want to thank the authors over at the amazing blog, StarWarsThoughts.com. They did an incredible episode guide for the Ahsoka-centric episodes of the Tale of the Jedi series, as well as Donna Dickens, who I've mentioned already over at wikipedia.org, who penned an incredible article that was published back in 2020. It's a great article and was like very influential in the writing of this episode. Again, I encourage you to check it out because she writes about story arcs that I don't talk about. But they're still like really, really, really interesting. Um, Again, those articles are linked in today's show notes. So we're going to start with the Tales of the Jedi, season one, episode one, aptly called Life and Death. Star Wars Thoughts uh, gave this great summary of the episode and it was so good. I'm just going to read it with some commentary peppered in. So in this episode, we're introduced to Ahsoka as a baby, with her mom and dad caring for her on her homeworld of Sheely. When she's one years old, as is Ritual, Ahsoka's mom takes her on a hunt for a Kaiba, which looks a lot like a gazelle, a goat, and a satyr got together and made a baby. But hey, it's Star Wars. They can do cool, weird stuff like that. So uh, Ahsoka's mom is successful in the hunt and explains to Ahsoka that life and death are important to face and not to Uh, So while she's giving Ahsoka this life lesson, a big cat-like predator that appears and after Ahsoka's mom tries fighting it off. The cat, like, scoops up Ahsoka and takes her off and just, like, runs into the woods with her. But Ahsoka uses the force with the animal, um, who then brings her back to the village unharmed. And the beast is allowed to leave the village without injury, and it's here that the village elder says that Ahsoka is Jedi. So while Ahsoka exhibited Force Sensitivity when she was one, it wasn't until she was age three that Jedi Master Plo Koon was sent to observe and retrieve young Ahsoka. However, Master Koon almost lost Ahsoka to an imposter. Remember earlier how I said that because there were so few Jedi in a galaxy so large that it was easy to impersonate one and no one would ever be none the wiser? Well, it was not uncommon around this time for slavers to travel through the galaxy impersonating Jedi and kidnapping Force-sensitive children to sell them into slavery. Yes, slavery even exists in space. Lucas could have not written it, but he did. Okay. Uh, so for Ahsoka, that might have meant being sold to a practitioner of the dark side or the Sith, the bad guys, who would help develop her skills for, like, more nefarious means. So Ploak Plo Koon thwarted the attempt, forever endearing himself to Ahsoka, who would harbor a love for him for the rest of her life. Okay, fun fact, Plo Koon is the favorite Jedi of Dave Filoni, the creator and showrunner of the live-action Ahsoka series. Filoni was also the creator of, writer and director for the Clone Wars TV series. Filoni also provided the voice of Chopper. Anakin didn't choose her, but because Anakin himself had only recently been granted the rank of Jedi Knight. Traditionally, Jedi spent several years in their new status before taking on the responsibility of teaching. So much so that when Ahsoka first landed on the battle stricken planet of Christophus, Obi-Wan Kenobi, who'd previously had Anakin as his Padawan, assumed Yoda had sent him a new apprentice. So Ahsoka was an excellent foil for Anakin though. She's impulsive, headstrong, reckless, and she would not have thrived under the tutelage of a more master Jedi, close quote. Now, in season one, episode two of the Clone Wars, Ahsoka and Anakin meet for the first time. This is an important episode to understand where Anakin and Ahsoka start off, and I'll tell you, it's a rough start. I remember when I first watched this episode, really not liking Ahsoka and thinking that she was really disrespectful to her master. And I absolutely loathed the nickname that she gave him of Sky Guy. Thankfully, that didn't stick. Um, Anakin also bestowed the nickname Snips on horror, which was used as a term endearment for many, many years to come. So now we're going to turn back to Tales of the Jedi, Episode 5, Practice Makes Perfect. So in this Tales of the Jedi series, the timeline of this particular episode is in during the Clone Wars. It opens with a, a trial, like a test of Ahsoka as a Padawan where she's fighting. It's not clear how long her, she and Anakin have been um, in a master-apprentice relationship at this point, but we get a little bit of insight. So we're going to go back to StarWarsThoughts.com uh, for their summary of this episode. I say, quote, ah- Ahsoka's fighting probes designed to make-, make battle droids. Anakin is frustrated with this training and sets up a more rigorous course instead, having Ahsoka face off against the 501st, which is the legion of clone troopers led by Anakin and Ahsoka. So the trials are really quite brutal. She must use her Jedi training to sense when a trooper is about to fire his gun. Anakin makes sure that everyone has them set to stun, um, and she has to deflect these blasts with her lightsaber. She does it. She gets knocked down several times, but she gets back up. So at first glance, it can seem a bit harsh, but it does show how Anakin's unconventional teaching style helped shape Ahsoka. This training continues on throughout the Clone Wars, with the Jedi growing more and more adept at countering the attacks. So the episode ends in the wake of Order 66 as Rex and Ahsoka walk out to confront the clones who have turned on them. And Rex tells her, let's hope all this training paid off. Uh, I realize I haven't introduced Rex yet. Captain Rex is a really, really important figure in the Clone Wars. He was a clone trooper himself. Um, All right. So now we're going to skip forward ahead a few years again to one of my favorite, favorite episode arcs. In the entire Clone Wars. So exciting, I almost knocked my microphone over. Season 3, Episodes 15, 16, and 17. These are referred to as the Mortis Arc. Uh, it's named this because in the story arc, Ahsoka, Obi Wan, and Anakin respond to a 2,000 year old distress call. Uh, I forgot to mention that the Jedi have been in existence in the galaxy for almost 25,000 years at this point. So a 2,000 year old distress call seems like it would be worth investigating. Um, Anyways, once they arrive at the coordinates in the distress call, the trio, quote, found themselves sucked into a plane outside of time and space known as Mortis. The force permeated the strange planetoid. The only three inhabitants were the force entities known as the daughter, who represented the light, the Son, who represented dark, and the father, who represented darkness. Balance. Thank you again to Dickens for this one. Close quote. The Mortis arc is largely an Anakin story, but I love this episode arc because it really, really shows the bond that Anakin and Ahsoka share and how their relationship has grown from the other two episodes that I just talked about. And also, I love Vader. And as a fan of Vader, you get a deeper sense of Anakin's suffering and the manipulations of those who use the dark side of the Force. And for me, it, it really helped deepen my compassion for Anakin in, in his decision to turn to the dark side. <clears throat> okay. So in an attempt to coerce Anakin to join the dark side, the Sun, who represents the dark, uh, kidnaps Ahsoka and infects her with dark energy. While in this state, she was forced to battle Anakin and she did die. However, the daughter, who represents the light, sacrificed herself to save Ahsoka. And as a result, the daughter would then become an occasional companion to Ahsoka known as Mori. Morai is this adorable and beautiful little owl-like creature with a very long tail feather. And she sometimes shows up when the force is strong with Ahsoka or when Ahsoka is... Having to make a choice between light and dark. So the experience on Mortis opened Tano's eyes to the concept that the Force was more complex than the Jedi ever imagined. And I would say that the same could also be said about her master, Anakin. Okay, we're going to jump ahead again to season five of Clone Wars to discuss episodes seven through 20. Yes, a four episode arc. Now, don't worry, I'm not going to go into each episode in too much depth because I don't want to give more away than just the general plotline for the arc. And trust me, this is a good story arc with some great subplots as well. Donna Dickinson's Wikipedia article does a fantastic job of summarizing each episode. And again, the article is linked in the show notes. So in this episode arc, Ahsoka is framed for two crimes. One, a deadly bombing of the Jedi Temple and the second crime of murdering a suspect in the bombing, uh, a suspect in the bombing while the suspect was in custody. These accusations result in Ahsoka being expelled from the Jedi Order and put on trial. Anakin is working tirelessly to find evidence to prove Ahsoka's innocence. Of course, Anakin succeeds and Ahsoka is set free. And once she's set free, the Jedi High Council, who are like the Jedi board of directors, are like, hey, Ahsoka, would you like to come back and be on the Order? And she's like, nah, thanks. Anakin, like, tries to convince her to stay and she walks away from him saying, and I'm just going to play the audio clip for you because damn if it doesn't like damn if it doesn't hit you in the feels
1: Ahsoka wait Ahsoka I need to talk to you why are you doing this The Council didn't trust me. So how can I trust myself? What about me? I believed in you. I stood by you. I know you believe in me, Anakin. And I'm grateful for that. But this isn't about you. I can't stay here any longer. Not now. The Jedi Order is your life. You can't just throw it away like this. Ahsoka, you are making a mistake. Maybe. But I have to sort this out on my own. Without the Council. And without you. I understand. More than you realize, I understand wanting to walk away from the Order. I know.
0: And she walks away. I mean, talk about a gut punch. I mean, for any Clone Wars fans, this this is one of the most heartbreaking moments moments in the series up to that point. OK, so in 2016, E.K. Johnson released uh, a young adult book, Ahsoka, and it follows her during this time between leaving the Jedi Order and joining the Rebellion. It's a super fun read. And the audiobook is read by Ashley Eckstein. Eckstein? Ashley Eckstein. Uh, AKA the voice actress of Ahsoka Tano. I recommend giving it a listen. You can get it wherever you get your audiobooks or at your local library. Okay. So now we're going to get to the Clone Wars, the final season. In this season, there are five episodes that we're going to touch on, which is a lot. And I'm not going to go into each of them too deeply. I really just want to be providing major plot points and some commentary. So these episodes take place parallel to the events in the film Revenge of the Sith, which is my current favorite of the prequels. So Revenge of the Sith is the movie where Anakin Skywalker turns to the dark side and becomes Darth Vader, commits his act of domestic violence against his wife and unborn twins, gets his legs chopped off near a river of lava, and then get locked into a super cool robot suit. So these five episodes from the Clone Wars have been combined, have a combined runtime that is almost the same as the film. But the storyline focuses on Ahsoka and the Troopers of the 501st, who she trained with in the episode Practice Makes Perfect from Tales from the Jedi. Uh, and I mentioned Captain Rex earlier. So this episode is a good introduction if you kind of want to get a sense of what Ahsoka's been up to since she left the Jedi Order. And When we catch up with her in this episode, she's been hanging out in the lower levels of Coruscant, and she gets into some trouble with a crime syndicate, the Pikes. So through a series of events, Ahsoka learns that Darth Maul is still alive. If you've only ever seen The Phantom Menace, surprise! Maul's still alive! And even if you haven't seen The Phantom Menace, you've probably seen Maul just through pop culture references. So he's the guy with the red and black face and the yellow horns from The Phantom Menace. Okay, so that dude, he got cut in half and fell down a well, but he didn't die. Turns out, and turns out, if you use the dark side of the force, having your limbs severed, getting run through with a lightsaber, or even getting in half doesn't kill you. I mean, they must have great health insurance on the dark side and invest in science to be able to regrow organs like that. So Ahsoka learns that not only is Darth Maul alive, he's also the head of a rival crime syndicate, Crimson Dawn, uh, which is also featured in the film Solo. For my Star Wars fans, remember Maul made a cameo at the end of that film. If you forgot, that's okay. It really happened. Um, And if you've never watched the Clone Wars or the Mandalorian, this is where you first meet Lady Bo-Katan of Mandalore uh she's a very prominent figure in some of those other shows as well as the clone wars and star wars rebels but for today we're just going to talk about bo katan coming to ahsoka and asking for help in defeating maul who is taking control mandalore bo katan's home planet (laughs) those are the only super important things that happen in that um episode nine friends not forgotten uh so this is part one of a four-part series in the season Fun fact, this is the episode where the color of the Clone Wars title card changes from the iconic Star Wars yellow to the red of the Sith. It's so cool. So, at the start of this four-part four part series, Ahsoka comes out of hiding and she briefly reunites with Anakin, uh, Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi to request help in assisting Lady Bo-Katan in liberating Mandalore from Darth Maul. Now, this matters because Maul is two things to the Jedi. Number one, he's a known Sith Lord. And number two, Maul killed Obi-Wan's master in a lightsaber duel. And almost, oh, and he almost mowed Anakin down when he was a kid on Tatooine and the Phantom Menace. There is a very sweet scene when Ahsoka reunites with her battalion and they all have their helmets painted with orange and white paint to mimic Ahsoka's unique facial markings. Not only is this like an incredibly touching scene for any Star Wars fan or anyone who served in the military, it's just also. Visually very striking, like the vibrance of the orange up against the white and the blue of the clone uniform is just, just gorgeous. Love it. Beautiful. And of course, this touching scene is interrupted by a crisis. General Grievous, the asthmatic robot with a lightsaber fetish in Revenge of the Sith, uh, has attacked the capital of the Republic, which is the planet of Coruscant, And Anakin and Obi-Wan must leave, like, immediately. And Ahsoka is like, yo, what are we going to do about Lady Bo-Katan and Mandalore? So through some quick thinking, Anakin divides the 501 forces to lend support to Ahsoka and Bo-Katan in their mission to liberate Mandalore. Anakin also gives Ahsoka with two lightsabers to help her in her pursuit to capture Maul. And off Ahsoka and Bo-Katan go. This would be the last time that Ahsoka would see her master. And everyone knows that. Episode 10, The Phantom Apprentice, which is, this is part two. Uh, The most important plot point is when Maul reveals the name Darth Sidious, who is his former Sith master, to Ahsoka Tano. It's the first time that she hears the name, uh, but it will not be the last. Maul realizes that what's about to happen in the galaxy with Darth Sidious' rise to power and is like, yo, this is not good. And he attempts to recruit Ahsoka to train her as an apprentice and defeat Sidious. Ahsoka's like, no, thank you, Um, but we should totally fight. And then she ends up capturing him. In episode 11, uh, Shattered, which is part three, Ahsoka and Commander Rex are escorting Maul back to Coruscant when Order 66 is given by Sidious. Now, I've mentioned Order 66 previously, and if you've not heard of it, Order 66 was essentially a directive that was implanted into all of the clones through an inhibitor chip that was only activated with this order. This directive was very explicit in that all clone troopers are to exterminate all Jedi, Master, Padawan, youngling. it didn't matter. Just exterminate all Jedi on site and exterminate any clone who disobeys orders. So this order is given, uh, and think of it as like how it's given as like a mass text message, right? So a mass text goes out, says execute order 66, all the clones get it. On the ship, everywhere across the galaxy, and they turn on every Jedi. And that includes turning on Ahsoka. Here's the thing Ahsoka's technically not a Jedi anymore. She got kicked out of the order. Hmm. And Captain Rex is going to use that to his advantage. So Ahsoka, being the... she frees Maul as a diversion, so look forward to seeing him again later. Uh, Ahsoka learns of the inhibitor chips. And she captures Rex and has his inhibitor chip removed, essentially saving her and her friend. And can we just pause and say how incredible Ahsoka is for how she handled the situation? Like, I'm not sure I would want to get to the bottom of why my friends were hunting me in the midst of them trying to hunt me. In fact, I'm not sure I'd ever really want to know the answer. Um, It would take a lot of years of, like, friend therapy for us to work through that. Anyways, episode 12, Victory and Death. This episode the final episode. This episode messed up every Clone Wars fan. And I mean every Every. Clone Wars fan. It's an emotional episode, even if you're not a fan of the show. And remember earlier when I said in Practice Makes Perfect that the episode ends with Rex saying, quote, let's hope all that practice pays off, close quote. Yeah, that happens right before the major battle sequence in this episode. And yes, all that practice did pay off because Ahsoka and Rex live long enough to crash onto a planet and fake their own deaths. There's this incredibly haunting scene where Ahsoka is facing the crash site, which is just behind the graves of all the clone troopers that were on board. Um, The helmets with their bright orange markings rest on pikes that mark each grave. And we see Rex's helmet and we watch as Ahsoka lays the hilts of her lightsaber on a grave and uh, she and rex walk away and at the very very end of that episode do you know who shows up to the snow-covered crash site and collects ahsoka's lightsaber hilts right. that's right the man in black himself darth vader believing for anakin's former apprentice to be dead he collects the lightsaber hilts which remember anakin had gifted them to ahsoka the last time he saw her and then he walks away so now we're going to jump back over to tales of the jedi season one. Episode 6, Resolve. This episode opens on the funeral scene of Padme Amidala, the former beloved queen and senator of Naboo, who, aside, was also Anakin's secret wife. Secret because Jedi aren't supposed to have attachments because attachments cloud judgment with emotions. And if you're new to Star Wars, at first glance, that might not make a whole lot of sense. I mean, we have several examples in this episode alone about Anakin's attachment to Ahsoka. However, it's not that strange when you think of any institution charged with protecting the greater good. Anyway, so Padme was Anakin's secret-ish wife and they got secret-ish pregnant and gave birth to secret-ish twins. I say, I say secret-ish because the list about who knew is pretty short. I mean, at about one hour and 40 minutes into the Revenge of the Sith movie, Obi-Wan put two and two together about Anakin being the father and straight up told Padme he was sorry about that. And then he like jumped in his Coruscant car and flew away, which is pretty, not your not the most graceful exit Obi-Wan. Emperor Palpatine, aka Darth Sidious, also knew that Anakin was married and used this knowledge against Anakin to turn him to the dark side. And then of course, R2-D2, everyone's favorite little blue droid because R2 knew everything and he could keep his secret. So after getting force choked by Anakin on this lava planet called Mustafar, Padme died but not before giving birth to the secret-ish twins who grew up to be Skywalker and Princess Leia. Some cynics regard her death as the result of a broken heart, which always felt like kind of a slam against Padme. She was like so much stronger than that. She got herself out of trouble so many times without the help of either Anakin or Obi-Wan. And not only that, women die in childbirth all the time for seemingly inexplicable reasons. However, um, recently I read like a very different theory, and this theory suggests that Sidious murdered Padme using the Force, because remember, you can Force choke someone from across the room. But he murdered her as a way to forever bind Darth Vader to him. It ensured that Vader had no one except Palpatine. Because remember, all the Jedi are being murdered by their clone troopers. He doesn't have his wife. He doesn't have his child. He doesn't have anybody. Except Emperor Palpatine, which is a pretty dark place to start a relationship from, if you ask me. But anyways, back to Padme and Ahsoka. So not only does it stand within reason that Ahsoka would have regularly encountered Padme in proximity to Anakin, as much as discretion would allow Padme and Anakin to spend time together, in the Forces of Destiny comics, or in Season 1, Episode 6 of the Forces of Destiny web Uh, show called The Imposter Inside, in this episode, Ahsoka thwarts an assassination attempt on Padme's life. So Padme and Ahsoka have a history of their own. And now Padme is dead. Padme is dead. So Ahsoka goes to the funeral where she encounters Senator Bail Organa, who is an important figure in the rebellion. And the- Senator Organa, which the name probably sounds familiar, and his wife adopted one of those secret-ish twin babies who grew up to become Princess Leia. And yes, of course, we will be doing many deep dives into Leia over the course of this podcast. How could you not? So uh, at the funeral, Ahsoka is approached by Senator Organa to join the rebellion, but she declines and instead goes into hiding on a remote planet doing work with a group of farmers. One day she like accidentally outs herself as a Jedi when she uses the force to save a co-worker from a bunch of hay falling on her and crushing her. But another villager saw this and decided to uh, turn Ahsoka in because he's a Synca fan. So he turns her in and an Inquisitor shows up to kill Ahsoka. Inquisitors are these former Jedi who turn to the dark side and hunt other Jedi on behalf of the Empire. Uh, they're nasty characters with cool outfits and even cooler lightsabers. So one shows up and lights the entire village on fire and nearly kills the snitch but Ahsoka, being amazing, saves the snitch, killing the Inquisitor in the process, leaving the snitch to live a life of scorn and regret because his empire-loven got his whole village burned to the ground. Ahsoka realizes that she has to leave, so she contacts Bail vale Organa and joins the rebellion. But not before taking the Inquisitor's lightsaber and removing the kyber crystal, which gives the saber both its power and its color. Um, and she healed the kyber crystal from red, which was happens when a kyber crystal is bent to the will of the dark side of the force. And she used it and she created new white lightsabers that she carried. When Ahsoka joined the rebellion, she was put in charge of the intelligence arm. It was through this assignment that she developed the code name Fulcrum, which shows up in the Star Wars Rebel series. Uh, getting back to Donna Dickens, who we haven't heard from in a minute. She writes, quote, Fulcrum played a crucial role in the early days of the rebellion. She was directly responsible for juggling various independent cells of resistance. She provided critical mission information, such as troop movement and convoy timings. Over the course of Star Wars Rebels, Ahsoka plays an increasingly central role after, she, after the reveal that she is indeed Fulcrum. Close quote. All right, y'all. We're at the last four episodes. We are now in the Rebels series, which features many of the same characters you see in the Ahsoka trailer. uh, Sabine Wren, Harrison Dula, Ezra Bridger, and Grand Admiral Thrawn. So these episodes are a great introduction to those characters you'll be encountering in the Ahsoka series. If you're not familiar with them and or if you are curious about them. For reference, in the Ahsoka trailer, Sabine is the one with the vibrant hair and the colorful armor, and Hera is the Remember. twilight with headtails. a Fair warning, if you choose to watch those episodes, there are some interpersonal conflicts between some of the characters that might not make sense if you've never seen Rebels. Without going too deep, I will just say that Kanan was a Padawan during Order 66, so when the clones turned on him and his master, he had to watch his master be slaughtered by the people with whom they'd fought alongside with for years. Traumatic would be an understatement. Um, If you have any interest in seeing Kanan as a Padawan when Order 66 was given, um, as well as watch him escape Order 66, you should check out the first seven minutes of the first episode of The Bad Batch. Uh, Ezra is a Force-sensitive youth who is growing up on the edge of the Empire on this planet called Fall. And he joins up with the Phoenix Squadron, which is the name of Hera's rebel cell. A Kanan reluctantly begins to train Ezra in the ways of the Jedi. And they have a sometimes charming but mostly annoying big sibling, little sibling relationship. Okay, Back to the Siege of Lothal episode arc. Okay, so a lot happens in this arc. I'm going to focus on three key events. Number one, we encounter Hera and her rebel cell Phoenix Squadron. Uh, They're stealing supplies from the Empire to aid the Rebellion, and they do this in both part one and part two. Number two, the characters meet Vader for the first time in the story arc. Vader shows up within the first five minutes of episode one, and then again in the final battle towards the end of episode two. Number three, and probably most important in the final battle that I just talked about, Vader learns that Ahsoka is in fact alive. So during this final fight, Ahsoka, Ezra, and Kanan are reaching out into the force, and upon doing so, they come in contact with Vader. Through this contact, Ahsoka discovers that Anakin is alive and is now Darth Vader, and Vader knows that Ahsoka is alive, and we know that he knows because he says the Apprentice lives. So of course, Vader goes snitching to his boss Sidious about Ahsoka being alive, and he's like, yo, Vader, go hunt her down and kill her. So the next episode arc we're going to talk about is called Twilight of the Apprentice. So this episode arcs takes us into the last two episodes I'm going to talk about today. Um, we're still in season two of Rebels, just at uh, episodes 21 and 22. At this point, Phoenix Squadron have met up with Captain Rex, who's helping out with the rebellion. I only mention this because he appears at the start of the episode as a much older gentleman sporting a well-groomed beard. And I'm a sucker for a well-groomed beard. I bet he smells nice, too. Anyways, um, and he's going to look a lot older than the last time you saw it. If you are not familiar with Star Wars, clones were designed specifically to age faster than most humans. So it would make sense that he would be an older man at this point. Okay. Um, Rex, uh, Ezra, Ahsoka, and Kanan are on their way to the planet Malachor. As you might guess from the name, Malachor is not a great place. But they're going in search of a Sith temple. Uh, these episodes, they're a little Ezra heavy. After all, he's one of the main characters of the show. He's learning to master and wield the force and who he can and can't trust. Uh, however, we meet up with Darth Maul again. And it's somehow extra spooky because we know who Maul is, but Ezra doesn't know who Maul is and Ezra's helping him. Mulligan. And it's really like exciting situation. Like, is Maul going to betray Ezra? Is he? Won't he? Is he just using him? Like, what is happening? What is the motive? As it turns out, Inquisitors are also hunting for Maul on Malachor, referring to him as, quote, the shadow. Uh, So referring to him as the shadow, the Inquisitors first meet up with Ahsoka and Kanan, and they have this really cool lightsaber battle fight. But then the Inquisitors like buzz off to find Maul. They do reveal that Darth Vader is on his way to the planet and it's now that Ahsoka realizes she's going to need to face her former Jedi master who is now Darth Vader. And there's a distinct possibility that when she faces him, she's going to die. It's no spoiler that she lives because she gets her own show. Um, but I'm going to play a clip of the exchange that Ahsoka and Vader have in this scene because reading it to you will not give justice to the, incredible voice performances of Ashley Eckstein and Matt Laner this scene is the first time that Anakin and ahsoka have spoken face to face since they last left each other in the Clone Wars
1: It was foretold that you would be here our long-awaited meeting. Has come at last. I'm glad I gave you something to look forward to. We need not be adversaries. The Emperor will show you mercy if you tell me where the remaining Jedi can be found. There are no Jedi. You and your inquisitors have seen to that. Perhaps this child will confess what you will not. I was beginning to believe I knew who you were behind that mask, but it's impossible. My master could never be as vile as you. Anakin Skywalker was weak. I destroyed him. Then I will avenge his death. Revenge is not the Jedi way. I am no Jedi.
0: Returning to Dickens' article, uh, I want to read a quote. quote During an extended lightsaber duel with Vader, while the Malakor Sith temple collapsed around them, Ahsoka managed to slice off part of his mask and voice modulator. When next Vader spoke, Skywalker's natural voice was interlaced, proving without a shadow of a doubt they were one person. Close quote. And here's an audio clip of the scene
1: Ahsoka. I won't leave you not this time then you
0: Ahsoka doesn't die. At the very end of this episode, Kynar's composition serves as this incredible dramatic backdrop for all the places that each character finds themselves. Maul flies away from Malachor. Vader is seen living out of the busted Sith temple by Morai. Remember that allied creature I mentioned earlier? Morai flies down into the smoke, like past Vader, and It cuts away to Ahsoka, who appears to be walking downstairs into a dark cave within the Sith Temple. Now, when this episode aired, it left a lot of fans wondering if this was a metaphor for death and if Ahsoka was alive or not. Fan theory moment. Okay, now, if you watched Obi-Wan, the whole slicing off Vader's face mask thing might sound familiar, and that's because they did that there too. And there may be some fan theory worth developing about the symbolism of how two people, Obi-Wan and Ahsoka, who were the closest to Anakin while he was a Jedi, are the only two that are able to physically penetrate his armor when he's a Sith. Uh, We already know that they're able to connect to the Force, as we've seen with Vader and Ahsoka and Rebels. Uh, And if you watch the sequels, you know that Rey and Kylo Ren would be connected through the Force by Supreme Leader Snoke, oftentimes not willingly. So it's not impossible that Sidious could serve as a gatekeeper of Force connections between Vader, Obi-Wan, and Ahsoka. Um, As long as Ahsoka and Obi-Wan remain alive, Vader will always live in fear of his vulnerability of being exposed as Anakin Skywalker, someone he clearly hates. So after the encounter on Malachor, fans don't see Ahsoka again for a while. However, she does come back towards the end of season four of Rebels to help Sabine and Ezra. Uh, There's some really cool episodes that Donna Dickens talks about in her article, but I'm not going to talk about them here. But I do strongly recommend that you read the articles. Um, She talks about two different episode arcs than I do, and certainly with much more economy of language. And this concludes the first episode of the Women of Star Wars podcast. I hope that you know a little bit more about Ahsoka Tano and that maybe you learned some fun, cool facts along the way. Uh, The show Ahsoka launches on Disney Plus starting Wednesday, August 23rd. There is a two-episode premiere that's about 90 minutes long. I'm super stoked for it. I will be releasing episodes every Friday in response to Wednesday's um, release of the live show and it'd be great if you could like follow subscribe leave a comment on uh, our podcast share the word give us a follow Uh, over on instagram at women of star wars podcast
1: and again my name is sarah sindula and until next time may the force be with you